Welcome to Get Up in the Cool Old Time Music with Cameron DeWitt and Friends. This week's friend is Isabel Damon. We recorded this last week at my home in Portland, Oregon. Just a quick announcement before we get started. If you go to CameronDeWitt.com store, you can purchase a special holiday discount package of four banjo lessons as a gift. Give the gift of bum ditties and ergonomic banjo knowledge and, you know, just the right amount of music theory. I promise no more than you need. I put a link in the show notes. Stick around afterwards to hear how to keep up with this week's guest, but first here's my interview and jam with Isabel Damon. Enjoy.
<laughs> Isabel Damon, welcome to Get Up in the Cool. Thank you for having me, Cameron. I should say, welcome back, uh, because I don't think I'm going to be able to keep up the facade. Uh, <laughs> you've been on the show before in one of the very few uh, Get Up in the Cool Lost episodes where <laughs> something went wrong, uh, either technologically or logistically or interpersonally. <laughs> and then this time it was just, uh, I did a bad job at recording it. Um, so thank you so much. This is really generous and you biked all the way here. So thank you so much. Happy to be here. <laughs> okay, I'm gonna ask you a lot of the same questions uh, that I la asked you last time and as if it's for the first time. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. Yeah, okay. What did we just play? Uh, Valley Forge. It's one of my favorite old time tunes. Have you ever been around uh, the people who go, Hey, George, get me out of, get me out of Valley Forge? No. It might be like an old time boomerism. Um, <laughs> I've met some young people who do that, but I think it's really funny. <laughs> Are those the only words? Is it I like think a so. little refrain? Yeah. That's fun. Yeah. Uh, yeah, hey, where, where did you get Valley Forge? So this is one of the first old time tunes I learned, um, probably around 2013 maybe. Um, I grew up playing classical violin in Portland and then went to college in Wisconsin at uh, Lawrence University, studied violin performance. And one of the um, things they had us do as music majors was go to this world music series. So um, I think when I was a sophomore, they brought um, Brad and Ken Kolodner to do a show um, Ken Kolodner, uh, plays Hammer Dulcimer. He went to Lawrence as an undergrad, so that's his connection. And then his son Brad plays banjo. I'm sure you know. Um. When did they come? I don't, I have no idea how old you are or how long ago you went to school. Yeah. So, like. I'm what? 29. Now. Yeah, okay, great. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I was. When did they come out? There was, like, 2013, 2014. Okay, like cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, they actually came again a few years later, um, but after their show, they were like, let's have an old time jam. And everybody's like, we don't know any tunes. They're like, that's fine. So it was kind of this, uh, mishmash old time jam with some saxophones and violists and, Sounds great. you know, and me. Sounds <laughs> playing like a fiddle. world music jam. And it was fun. Yeah. And they taught everybody Val Valley Forge. So, hmm. yeah. Yeah. Uh, so you were required to do the world music. We had to go to some program. concerts. Yeah. It okay. was just like, it was a, a series that we had to go to. Was, uh, so sometimes when uh, events are mandatory, <laughs> it can like suck some of the fun out of them or it can be um, a deterrent from like engaging. Yeah. Were you already interested in world music at yeah. that time? I mean, I was, I was curious about uh, lots of different styles. I mean, I, I, I thought that was a cool series because um, you got to see and hear different styles that we weren't primarily studying yeah. um, and that kind of was a catalyst for me to start um, doing some more fiddling going to yeah. fiddle camps and stuff and started a fiddle club at Lawrence oh yeah yeah I'm hearing this now for the first time yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so uh, how long did it take between like Valley Forge mm -hmm. and then you starting a fiddle club yeah, so it was that, and then um, there was another student uh, who was a few years older than me, Martha McDonald. Oh, right, went, yeah. Went to Lawrence with me. Um, we were in violin studio together, and um, and she's 
also studied classical, but was like grew up doing fiddle as well. So I asked her to teach me a couple of tunes and teach some lessons. And then, um, and then I went to fiddle tunes in Port Townsend one summer, 2013, I think. And then, um, yeah, I was like, this is fun. So, uh, we kind of started an official club partly yeah. to get like funding and stuff, bring some guest artists to come do classes and stuff. How did you, how did you hear about fiddle tunes? Um, through, I think my dad heard about it. Um, he knows Peter McCracken. Oh, is your dad involved in traditional music in some He's way? He's a blues musician a blues in Portland. Yeah. Okay. Um, so he, they, they have their blues week up there. Yeah, they have the blues yeah, week. I think maybe he knows the connection. through that. He, um, he's a prominent blues musician in Portland. He books the, um, Waterfront Blues Festival. Oh, wow. That's uh, a huge festival. Yeah. yeah I grew up. Going to that. Yeah. Yeah, amazing. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So you started this fiddle club at your mm -hmm. school. Uh, any word on, is, is it still going? It's still going. Yeah. I've been back a couple times to teach some little workshops to um, the current students. It's fun. It's kind of an eclectic mix of instruments and people interested in trad music it's mostly you know uh classical musicians who are dabbling or non-music majors who like want to play yeah yeah when you were planning on doing a violin performance degree yeah were you like i'm going to just do classical or i'm going to as part of my degree and part of my career also play a bunch of other stuff as well yeah, I started getting more and more interested in non-classical yeah. music. The classical track was just kind of the only major option for sure. violinists. But it's often um, the case. Yeah, so I did that. But um, but I also started, like, I took a jazz sequence, yeah. improv and theory sequence, and started trying to dabble in different stuff and improvisation yeah. and um, fiddle, going to fiddle class uh, camps during the summers and stuff. What was attractive about playing non-classical music? I think like the community aspect, like, and the, just that it seems more chill. <laughs> like, I think there's kind of a sort of perfectionism element to the classical world that started feeling kind of stressful to me. Yeah. Um, and it was fun to just be like, oh, I can just like, have fun performing. I don't have to like try to make it perfect, you know, like just like play yeah. with people, you know, little mistakes aren't maybe always mistakes. You can just kind of, I don't know, like right. having a little more flexibility yeah, and then autonomy and to just like kind of create as you play, you know. Were you like in orchestra and were you like I've heard that you have to like defend your chair if your first chair mm -hmm. or like you're trying to like take it from someone else were you like doing that stuff or? i mean we were assigned the seats right um and i usually did pretty well i i did a lot of the concert master thing and had solos and stuff yeah um, but um i've just heard that there's a lot of like competition and like vibes sort of baked in like, yeah to the hierarchy yeah and i don't think everybody's like that but i think there is a lot of that yeah. in that world and it's just like you know you're mostly playing these pieces that are have already been played by thousands of people and recorded a bunch by yeah. really good people and it's just like 
what do I have to say about the Brooke Violin Concerto that hasn't already been said? You know? Right. I don't know. You don't have a hot take on yeah, I don't <laughs> musically <laughs> to like, share. Yeah. You know, yeah. And it's like, so you learn harder and harder and harder. I guess yeah. there's another thing I like about fiddle music. It's like in classical, it's just like you learn harder and harder and harder pieces, you know, and get better and better and better. Yeah. And I feel like in, it's cool to me that like you could play Valley Forge and be like a beginner or like have been playing for like 40 yeah. years and you can come together and it's like, brings together people from different levels and ages yeah. and backgrounds. And then I think it's fun too, that like, it's this language where you can like, you know, run into somebody at the airport with an instrument, be like, Hey, you want to jam? And have I'm you like, done that? I have when I had a flight delay in, uh, Colorado Springs, Colorado, there was some guy who was like, is that a fiddle? And I'm like, yeah. And then we played whiskey before breakfast. Oh, so sweet. <laughs> you know, and we had kind of different versions, yeah. but they sort of worked together, you know? Yeah. Um, it's lovely. Yeah. Yeah. Know. It's a little harder to, I guess, if you're doing classical to be like, well, I have like my, like my Bach conventions book here. Let's right. read some music. Together. Right. It's, it's much admit, more like yeah. prepared and right. rehearsed, you know? Yeah. So. Hmm. I don't do as much classical anymore, Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but I appreciate the, uh, the skills it brought me <laughs> for sure. Let's do another tune and then I have some follow-up questions. Sure. What should we play next? Or song? Um, do you want to do Pig's Foot? Do you yeah. One? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. I once hung out with Michael Ismario, who's mm -hmm. I guess from here, but isn't here anymore. And he said that he has this theory that Marcus Martin's Pig's Foot, hmm. I forget the whole name of the title. He has this theory that, uh, that it's twin fiddling in the source recording and that one person is playing cross G oh. and one person is playing in standard. I've heard that. You've theory. heard this. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and I think it like kind of makes sense based on the specific like double stops that you hear. Do you want to, do you want to do that? Sure. Yeah. It, it. it might sound a little, it might sound a little crunchy on my end, but it could be fun. Yeah. I haven't tried it in, in cross. Uh, well, if you're in standard, I think I'm already in cross G. Okay. And so we could just do okay. that. Uh, unless you want to do it in cross and that's fun. <laughs> no. okay. Probably not uh, at the moment. Maybe I could. That's interesting though. Okay. Let's do it. Great. Okay. Cool.
also fun. You should have a twin fiddle with you. Yeah, it's really fun. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Great. I love that tune. Ah, so good. Yeah, still good. Still hits. <laughs> Where'd you get uh, pig's foot? Shove that pig's foot a little further into the fire. Um, it's a fun story. I learned this one in a tiny village in Italy um, called the uh, Osservatorio Geologico de Coldigioco. Yeah. It's the Geologic Observatory of Italy, of Coldigioco, yeah. uh, near a town called Apiro in the Marche region of Italy. If you, if you think of Italy as like shaped like a boot, and then sure. there's like the prominent calf muscle, yeah. It was like, <laughs> it was like an hour drive inland from there. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, and I learned this tune from an old time fiddler named, uh, Walter Alvarez, who is, uh, more well known for, um, his work. Geologizing. Geologizing. <laughs> he was the one who hypothesized how the dinosaurs went extinct. Oh yeah. The asteroid impact hitting off the coast of Mexico. Yeah. Um, so it was cool. So I was there for a study abroad program, studying geology. Because I think you buried the, or a potential lead. Yeah. <laughs> In my opinion, that's buried a lead. You were not just studying. You know, yeah. I'm violent performance. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I did, I went to Lawrence partly because they have this double degree program. So I went and got a bachelor of music in violin yeah. performance and then also a bachelor of arts in geology. Yeah. And a minor in environmental studies. So this was like a geology environmental studies program in yeah. Italy for three months. Um, and it was really fun because it was like, we'd go learn geology all day and then come home and drink wine and play fiddle tunes because there were a few other fiddlers on my program. A few other fiddling geologists. Mm -hmm. And then Walter came for the last like month, I think of the program or maybe last couple weeks um, to visit. Cause he was one of the ones that kind of started this little village. Yeah. Um, huh. All the buildings are owned by geologists. It's like a little medieval village. Yeah. Um, and you know, everybody else was like, Walter, tell me about your geology experience. You're famous. And, I was like, you want to play some tunes? And he's like, yeah. So we're actually still in touch. And um, he's, yeah, he likes playing old time fiddle. <laughs> yeah, that's so great. Um, so he taught me, shove that pig's foot a little further into the fire. Yeah. Um, oh, that's lovely. Yeah, we'd like have these little fiddle jams out on the terrazza and people would like be have a little line dance going. And, oh, cute. Yeah. <laughs> it's really fun. <laughs> Talk about dinos. Mm hmm Yeah. But Or I guess that was cool. he I guess he probably wasn't a di a dinosaur expert. He was the an expert in the rock aspect the rock of aspect. the dino story, which is a significant part of their yeah. story. Yeah. So yeah. what I mean what happened in Italy is there's this town called Gubbio where the rocks are exposed really well yeah. at that layer where the dinosaurs went extinct, like pre and post. Yeah. Right? Huh. And right at that layer, it's called the, the KT or KPG boundary. It's after the Cretaceous into the, the tertiary or the paleogene. At that layer, there's a layer of clay that has a lot of the element iridium, iridium, 
which is not found naturally on Earth. So oh. His theory was something must have brought it here. Yeah. Yeah, so he hypothesized that maybe something brought it in. And then this other geologist, Jan Smit, actually was uh, working on the hypothesis that, like, he was figuring out where that asteroid hit. So then right. they started kind of teaming up. So then, yeah. Where are the big craters? The, yeah. yeah, the gotcha. big crater is off the, I think, off the coast of Mexico. Huh. Um, yeah. Yeah. They found it. <laughs> That's amazing. Was he was he similarly um, investigative when it came to like his tunes? Yeah, he had this very scientific like little um, handout. I still have somewhere that was like all the tunes he knew and like typed up with yeah. the like first two measures of um, each tune written out and then yeah. what key it's in and like what type of tune it was and it was like a. A very well organized, yeah. alphabetized document of all of his old things. I love it. Um, which inspired me. I actually finally started kind of my own little version yeah. to try to remember tunes. So I started like writing down like just the first measure of oh, each cute. section so that I can. Wow, it's so aesthetic they... too. Like it yeah. looks pretty. <laughs> yeah, just yeah. so that because I'm like, I can never remember how they start, you know, yeah. or what they're called. So. As I as they pop into my head, I'm trying to write down just like the first measure of the A section, first measure of the B section. Hmm. I'm always interested in uh, like STEM people who like get into like fiddling yeah. or banjo playing or whatever, uh, because sometimes I feel like they're like, yeah, I just needed something during my graduate program to take my mind off of. Mm -hmm the like brain melting amount of material like things that I had to memorize and think about yeah and so but then <clears throat> there's always a point where it it stops becoming like a distraction in a different part of their brain and they start using their science brain mm -hmm. <laughs> to like approach the the music yeah uh I think it's really cute <laughs> yeah something that drew me to geology too is just like I think it's kind of a it's a pretty creative science that, yeah, like speak on that you know like i feel like in some other science disciplines like chemistry or biology you're kind of s hypothesizing the experiment and like doing it and then like seeing what happens right and in geology you're like here's the rock let's like work backwards right you know so you have to kind of think about okay yeah. how did this come to be you know and it's a lot of like spatial thinking thinking about long time scales yeah um Huh. Like the past in really large chunks of time. You know? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I could definitely um, see some mountains moving and changing over. and growing. And yeah. I don't know. Thinking about what's underneath our feet that you can't see yeah. what might be there. Oh, that's, that's beautiful. I've never heard that described. Yeah. I think I've been uh, not giving rocks the attention that they're due. <laughs> <laughs> they're, yeah. Well, it's yeah. not really about the rocks. It's like about the story of the earth, you know? Yeah. What the rocks mean. What yeah. the rocks are saying. What the rocks are saying. Yeah. They what can should, tell you so much. <laughs> what should we play next? Should we sing something? Yeah, let's sing. Okay. Should we do, we could do the Bright Morning Stars one or I could do my tune. Oh yeah, let's do, let's do both. Let's do Bright Morning Stars and then uh, Into Yours, yeah.
pretty. Oh, such a pretty song. Yeah. I have no idea where that song is from. Do you know where that song's from? No. Where's it from I mean, for you? I mean, I have heard Abigail Washburn's version. Oh, great. Um, I like that one a lot. I also, that's another one I learned in Italy with my my geology buddies. Yeah. I sang it. <laughs> your rock friends. <clears throat> my rock friends. <laughs> sang that one a lot. Yeah. In your rock band. In my rock band. Yeah. <laughs> rock violin. Yeah. <laughs> you said something interesting earlier. I think it might tie in nicely to our next tune with words slash song, if we end up doing that one. Sure. Uh, you said in orchestra, you'd just be playing this thing that's already been played so many times. It's so thoroughly canonized that you're like, what do I have to say about this? What do I have to add to this? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I'm curious, uh, does that feel important to you to have something to say about the music that you're playing? Uh, it doesn't mean that it has to be like political or rhetorical, yeah. you know, but do, yeah. How much of a part of playing music is that? I mean, I feel like I like to, yeah, I feel like my own voice on my instrument or my, voice voices being heard through it, um, through the music that I play, you know, not necessarily like lyrically, I have lots of, to say or anything or that I'm, it's like a hot take, but yeah, I feel like it's nice. Like I like these styles where there's a little more room for improvisation and kind of adding your own flavor or yeah. your own, um, <clears throat> making it your own a little bit more. I feel like um, I like that creative process and flexibility to like grow and change and hmm. yeah I don't know were you able to articulate that to yourself like early on in your music education when you because you were doing like Suzuki violin and stuff yeah right? no I think I I mean I think that's something that I'm still working on is like kind of confidence and in creativity um hmm. I think I yeah, just spent a long time just kind of trying to play the pieces that to the best of my ability, yeah. you know, and then move on, learn another one. Yeah. Um, and I feel like it was only when I started like writing my own tunes and songs that I feel like I felt a little bit more invigorated to be like, oh, wait, there's like so much more to explore, you know? Yeah. Um, and I feel like I'm still trying to find that voice a little bit, like try to figure out, okay, what do I have to say as a musician? You know, yeah. like what is my voice as a fiddler, violinist, whatever, and like as a singer? <laughs> yeah. You know. What is it? This is a very personal question. I don't necessarily know if it has an easy answer, <laughs> but like, what does it feel like when you're like, I, I just spoke with my voice and I think that I was heard? Can you think of the last time that you felt like you were actually mm. speaking in your voice, whether that's through singing or playing violin or, or yeah, I mean, I feel like as I've been getting more into songwriting and um and like writing my own tunes, mm. um, I feel like, yeah, I'm tapping into something I don't feel like I've entirely accessed yet, but I'm like yeah. that's kind of a route I'm trying yeah. to go more figure out um. 
yeah, what my what my individual voice is. Yeah. It feels really freeing and yeah, like I it, personal, but like good, yeah. you know. This is something I think about all the time because a lot of uh, the sentiment that gets expressed, and I don't think it's necessarily always the whole truth, but in trap music, a lot is. Isn't it nice to sort of appeal to this authority of this tradition mm -hmm. and to sort of disappear into it? Yeah. Uh, Interesting. And that's a thing I hear a lot. And I'm very curious about how many people actually mean that. Right. Well, I think that's you know? something that's interesting coming from classical where it's like there's that whole canon, right? Yeah. Where it's like, this is what we do. Right. And then I'm like, oh, there's so many other styles. Let's like get into them. And I feel like in yeah. old time and bluegrass and Irish and Scottish, yeah. there are also those like hardcore traditionalists in all yeah. of these genres that are like, we have to do the canon and we have to do the, yeah. you know, the history and the play it like the old source recordings. And, you sure. know, um, and I think that's definitely, I'm glad there are people doing that, you know? Yeah. Um, that's not my goal. <laughs> sure. I feel yeah. like I'm, um, I have avoided choosing a, like, I'm like, okay, I'm not really playing as much classical anymore, but what do I want to do? And I'm, I feel like I'm still a dabbler. I'm like, I love old time, yeah. but I don't want to only do old time. I'm like also into Celtic and also into Scandinavian. And yeah. I also like want to do songwriting and play in my folk crossover instrumental band and I don't know, all these different things. Um, there's just so much music out there. And I feel like my happy place is kind of bringing all of these different influences together into yeah. something yeah. original, you know? Yeah. yeah. I really, I really like that uh, because I don't know. I feel like that's more traditional than people think <laughs> sometimes like uh here's an example i won't go into all the details because this is ultimately george jackson's story to tell but um his uh we we've been playing this waltz lately in tall poppy string band uh that he got from his great great grandfather george mm. dixon he he got digitized recordings of his great great grandfather like a year ago a year and a half ago something like that and uh, it's a lot of it's a lot of Scottish-ish music, but through the lens of a child of immigrants who was raised in New Zealand, hmm. and then play and then recording as a pretty old person. I think he was like in his eighties or something when he. I don't know. I don't remember how old he actually was. Amidst this collection of Strathspeys and jigs and stuff there's this really bizarre waltz hmm. and we were just like, where is this from? This doesn't feel like it connects with anything else. And then we found out that it's, uh, it's like a turn of the century, like sheet music, piano pop music piece, basically, hmm. you know, back when that's how you got your pop music is right. through like, I'm going to go to the store and get the new sheet music and learn how to play it. So I could, yeah. yeah, it's like one of those. Interesting. Yeah. And I think it's from France originally. Funny. Yeah, and it's kind of like hard for me to imagine George Dixon. I don't know the man. Uh, none of us do. <laughs> but it's hard for me to imagine him having like an identity crisis back in the 40s when he recorded this. 
oh, am I representing myself as a New Zealand Scottish fiddler? <laughs> and <laughs> I have this idea of what that means. Yeah, I, I imagine he was probably just like, yeah, a lot of what I play is these like pipe tunes. And then also here's like a pop waltz. Mm-hmm. Here's a schmaltzy pop waltz. I doubt anyone like batted an eye at that. I think maybe some some people could afford to give in to, <laughs> you know, be, being eclectic and liking what you like and wanting to participate. I like that you're settling, you're, you're settling down into playing whatever you want all of the time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think that's great and super traditional. Yeah. Well, and I'm trying to get into these communities enough so that I can feel like I belong in a certain way, you know, like get enough, right. enough tunes under my belt. So I'm yeah. like, yeah, I can hang in the old time scene or yeah. I can hang in the Irish sessions, you know, yeah. um, hence my book. I'm yeah. trying to like organize my brain. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, is the goal around up there. to be able to like go on any trad music podcast and play? <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm <laughs> At least hit them all. Yeah. <laughs> Can we yeah. do your original sure. tune with words yeah. song? I don't know how you classify it. It's a. It's called Red Bench. It's a tune I wrote um, with kind of old time in mind. Um, I wrote the fiddle tune last summer. And then I wrote the words this past summer um, about a red bench in New Hampshire at Avalok Farm Music Institute. Okay. Um, and I was kind of trying to, I've been singing a lot of kind of old, old time and um, old like Irish ballads and stuff. And I really like the, just the simplicity of the lyrics, how you don't have to have tons of words, you know, you can have repeating phrases, um, <clears throat> and still say a lot with a little story, you know. Yeah. Like, don't have to overcomplicate the lyrics. So yeah. that was kind of the goal. <laughs> cool. Good goal. Yeah. <laughs> uh, let's do it. Okay. This is an A, right? Um, is that what you... Yeah. Okay, great. Ready? Uh-huh. One, two, three, four.
But it's also really, there's a lot going on in there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's just like all the stuff that can happen on a bench. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I imagine it's like this little vignette of the bench under a tree and then like it, like the, you know, those little images where like the, the day kind of passes by, like it's a little oh, Like a time lapse. Yeah, yeah time yeah. lapse of like oh, day yeah. into night into dawn yeah. into, you know. And the seasons changing and stuff. Hmm. And and this is at a farm and music institute. Avalok Farm Music Institute. It's like a music residency hmm. program. Why were you there? I went with my band Sprig of That last summer, and I wrote the the fiddle tune part while sitting on the bench. And then I went with my uh, friend Sam Jangwaldi this past summer, um, as like a little duo project mm. and wrote the rest of the lyrics while sitting on the bench. When did, when did you and Sprig of that get together? Um, Sprig is my, yeah, that's one of my main projects. Uh, we got together in early 2018 in Minneapolis when we were all living there. It's um, violin, acoustic guitar, and tabla, um, which are an Indian hand drum set, if you don't know. Um, yeah, and we've been playing together for almost six years had an album come out this past February uh, that we added cello to on a few tracks um, called Bloom. I feel like I don't know how to intelligently talk about the kind of music that Sprig of That makes. I like how good the album is. <laughs> That's my main <laughs> feedback. I like how high the quality of the music is. Mm, thank you. <laughs> That's all I have to say about it. It's just very good. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how to speak to it specifically other than um, yeah, I'm a big fan. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah so awesome. it's like a pretty composed um, kind of folk crossover, sort of inspired yeah. by people like Bela Fleck and, you know, the Punch Brothers. Yeah. And, um, actually, I just saw kind of our one of our inspiration bands is like the uh, Bela Fleck, Edgar Meyer, Zakir Hussein album. That's such a great Melody album. of the Rhythm. Yeah, and so they just good. came out with another one um, with oh, a, wow. a flute player, and I they played at the um, at the Arlene Schnitzer concert hall last week, so I went oh, to cool. see them. Yeah. Awesome. Um, but yeah, that, and then like the Goat Rodeo Sessions. Sure, you know, yeah. Yo-Yo Yeah. That crew. So if you're into that stuff. That stuff, yeah. And even if you're not, go check out Sprig of That. What, what else are you working on? What else should people know about? 
Yeah. How do they so keep up to date with all the stuff you're doing? Sprig is cool. Yeah, we tour. My bandmates don't live here, so we play sometimes here, sometimes in Colorado, sometimes in the Midwest. Um, and then here, I'm in a band called Juliet and the East. That's like a queer storytelling um, kind of country rock cabaret sort of situation. Yeah. Um, that's fun. So uh, we've been playing quite a bit. We have a New Year's Eve show. Yeah, I want to go see that. It'll be fun. Um, playing tomorrow too. And then where, where are you playing on New Year's Eve? Uh, Misfits. It's a Misfits. Okay, it's great. A queer bar on Eighty Second near Rocky Butte. Okay. okay, cool. Yeah, maybe maybe Becca and I will come because we usually our our anniversary is on the first. Oh, fun. so maybe we'll we'll just come do that. Maybe yeah. that'll be our activity. Great, cool. So that's been a fun project, and then. Um, yeah, I've been going to jams and stuff here and trying to get kind of a solo project going too with my oh, songs good. and yeah. whatnot. And yeah, I don't know. Trying to get some other stuff going too. Okay, great. Yeah. And then, yeah, how do people follow you? What's the best way to follow you? I'm on Instagram. Yeah. Tunes, and, tunes and Toddies. Toddies and oh, Tunes. Yeah. And yeah, <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I started a little series uh, yeah. just trying to play a tune every day on my Instagram. Yeah, just yeah. day drinking and fiddling. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's very inspiring. <laughs> um, yeah, I have a website too. Um, it's not like super robust, but it's out there and I'm going to work on it. Okay, great. IsabelleDammon.com. Yeah. Um, yeah. Sprig is kind of my main project. It's sprigofthat.com. Okay. Yeah. Thanks so much for doing this. Again. Yeah, thank uh, you for having me. I really me. appreciate it. It's a great excuse to hang out again. Yeah, anyway. totally. Thanks. What do you want to play for our final number? Mm. Not counting our bonus track. Yeah, we had talked about doing, we could do Hell and Scissors. That's oh, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Hell and Scissors. Hell and Scissors.
go buy Bloom from Sprig of That. And make sure to follow them at Sprig of That on Instagram while you're there. Follow at Isabel Damon and at Julia and the East. And visit IsabelDamon.com to hear and buy more of her music. Links for all that in the show notes. Support this podcast at patreon.com slash getupinthecool. That's also linked in the show notes, along with links to sign up for banjo lessons with me. Then there's pitchforkbanjo.com, my Clawhammer instructional video series, and cameradoit.com slash store, where you can purchase my archived workshops. That's all for now, friends. Thanks for listening. Come back same time next week to Get Up in the Cool.